Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 1, The Root of Our Multidimensional Humanity. I'm a big picture sort of guy, so I'm going to lay out what we're going to be doing in these podcasts straight away. The big picture is that a human is a multidimensional being comprising biological, psychologic, social, and spiritual dimensions. All these dimensions are interrelated, and in order to achieve human flourishing, they must meet three criteria. The first is that they should all be in balance. The second is that they should be working in harmony. The third and final criteria is that they should be mutually subordinate to one another. Well, that's it. If you got that all down in both the big and small aspects of your life, then you probably don't need to listen anymore. You've got it all down, and you're definitely living a wonderful and flourishing life. However, if you are like the vast majority of us, then seeing some additional insights to optimize our human flourishing will likely be extremely helpful, not just for us, but also for those we work with and those we live with and love. So why listen to this medical doctor? There are many doctors of various types and specialties that have many good and solid things to say on the topic of human flourishing. However, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, nor am I a philosopher or a theologian. I'm actually a diagnostic radiologist which means I'm a doctor who analyzes your CT scans, your MRIs, ultrasound, or x-rays for signs of disease. Now, I've read numerous books and articles from a variety of psychologists, psychiatrists, philosophers, pastors, and theologians, but I always get the sense that they're seeing the world through their specific lens, which seems to be calling out for a more holistic approach that brings together multiple thoughts and finds a true root that underlies all these bits of flourishing fruit. Additionally, I've read numerous articles on how to reduce the epidemic of burnout and continually think they're just giving me a laundry list of things to do and not do without much underlying rationale as to why doing one thing or avoiding something else causes more or less burnout. I think my advantage is that I'm not specifically trained to see the world necessarily through a psychological philosophical, or theological perspective. And although I am in healthcare and can understand various medical studies, I also have a keen interest in study of both philosophical arguments and theological insights. So, this podcast will look at the various psychological, philosophical, and theological perspectives and attempt to discover the underlying roots that tie many of these concepts together. To further give a big picture of where we're going— in the first six episodes, we will introduce the six roots to human flourishing. After we lay this foundation, our subsequent episodes will address one of these three areas. The first area will be to analyze the fruits of flourishing and see how the roots contribute to the fruits. The second topic will be to take a common human activity such as work and see how by applying the roots we can enhance our human flourishing. The last type of subsequent episode will be a deeper dive into a specific area within the roots of flourishing. So why a holistic or comprehensive view? Well, intuitively, we need to know the underlying cause of anything in order to more fully understand 
and derive the most benefit from any action. It is helpful to know that exercise is helpful, but knowing the underlying root concepts of exercise gives us a deeper understanding as to why exercise is important, in addition to helping us understand what exercise might be best and to avoid exercise that might be harmful. Thus, this comprehensive view should be more powerful and more life-transforming. Synthesizing and analyzing these three domains of human knowledge will ultimately be more powerful than one that omits or minimizes one or even two of these important areas. I have personally implemented these concepts of balance, harmony, and mutual subordination, in addition to some other root concepts, to great effect. I now recognize when I'm anxious or stressed out that my life is fundamentally out of balance and I need to reestablish harmony in one of the dimensions of my humanity. A little more background on me, since you don't usually expect this sort of discussion from your typical diagnostic radiologist. I've been married for 27 years and have three adult sons and one teenage daughter. I served 24 years in the Air Force, of which I spent over eight years as a flight surgeon. My wife and I are home educators of all our children— I'm also a speech and debate head coach and have coached Lincoln-Douglas values debate for about 10 years, along with some other debate and speech events. So, discussing values in the context of a variety of important cultural issues, I think, has helped sharpen my non-medical thinking, in addition to developing a good reading habit. Lastly, I've always had an interest in theology and have read extensively on it for over 30 years. The first root of human flourishing that we need to explore is to identify the different dimensions of our humanity. I have used this multidimensional model of the human for years and found it immensely helpful to both explain issues regarding human flourishing and also as a guide towards better human flourishing. I'm indebted to Dr. George Engel, who in the 1970s put forth the biopsychosocial model of health to better help explain the various contributing factors to disease. Dr. Daniel Solmesy, a geriatrician, then added the spiritual dimension in the early 2000s when he and the hospice movement prior to him understood the vast importance of the spiritual dimension, particularly to their dying patients. This model is not really a new invention, but really an acknowledgement of centuries-old spiritually informed tradition of nearly all cultures throughout history that humans were body, mind, and spirit. Additionally, the social dimension is also widely recognized as essential to our humanity, and this dates back at least to Aristotle, who was one of the great Greek philosophers. Although arguments could be made for other dimensions, I think for simplicity's sake and in continuity with this vast tradition that it's a safe place to start, that a human being actually comprises four dimensions, the biologic, the psychologic, the social, and finally, the spiritual. So, let's define those four dimensions. The biologic is probably easiest. That's just your body. All the anatomy and physiology that makes our bodies. Now, the social is likely the next easiest. It certainly includes our social interactions with other humans, but I think that it also involves other living and non-living things around us. Basically, our environment. Both aspects of the social dimension can certainly affect our biologic health, and ultimately our human flourishing. The psychologic dimension is our own thoughts, emotions, and desires. Now, the hard part. Teasing out the difference between the psychologic, the social, and the spiritual. I think Dr. Solmacy is 
again, very helpful. He maintains that the spiritual is where the transcendent lies. Well, what then is transcendent? The transcendent is anything or anyone that transcends our own physical bodies, our own psychological thoughts, emotions, and desires, or our own specific social group and time. That, by elimination, leaves us with things that are truly transcendent. This definition is not merely arbitrary, but is substantiated by some empirical results, which we will address in later podcasts when we talk about the root of why some religious practices are more impactful to our flourishing than others. It's important to reemphasize that the spiritual is the transcendent and not necessarily religion. The spiritual is not necessarily tied to a church or even performing some religious ceremonies, although these can have a helpful role to play to point us toward the transcendent. But the spiritual is truly to focus on the transcendent. This definition of transcendent is helpful, but I think we need something a little more concrete to really see it more fully. I think there are three general categories of the transcendent. These are the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's a very common understanding of transcendent qualities, both from a religious and philosophical perspective. So, what is the good? I think the good refers to the four cardinal virtues and the three theological virtues. The cardinal virtues are commonly understood as justice, courage, temperance, and prudence, while the three theological virtues are faith, hope, and love. Now on to the true. We need to make sure that we distinguish between facts and transcendent truths. Transcendent truths truly transcend a particular person or culture in space and time. We frequently think of these as spiritual or religious truth claims, which is true enough. But I would also say that these transcendent truths can also be found in the scientific realm as well. Frequently, scientists and other people who pursue these transcendent truths of nature actually feel that it is a spiritual journey. So, including transcendent truths of nature both fits our definition of transcendent truth while also coinciding with the experience of scientists. Lastly, the beautiful. Now, the beautiful frequently has cultural or temporal contexts that commonly do not last over time, but what I'm talking about here are things that are truly beautiful and transcend people, time, and cultures. I think Vivaldi's Four Seasons Spring, which is our theme music, is arguably transcendently beautiful. Architecture such as the Sistine Chapel or maybe even the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul or much of the Gothic architecture fits this category. Additionally, a beautiful sunset or sunrise or a beautiful flower are all also things in nature that people of all cultures and at all times have acknowledged as beautiful. So, as an easy summary statement of what comprises the spiritual is the triad of the good, the true, and the beautiful. The next aspect of these four dimensions that's critically important to understand is that they're all interrelated, so each dimension affects the other three dimensions. So, for instance, if a person becomes ill or injured, causing harm to their biologic dimension, this in turn also has a tendency to result in abnormal thoughts, difficult emotions, or unnecessary or even harmful desires, all culminating in a decrease in our psychological well-being. 
Being ill or injured may also make us withdraw from important social relationships or cause stress within these important social relationships. Lastly, we may have less energy or feel so poorly that we would be less inclined to pray or meditate. Interestingly, the social dimension's contribution to our biological health is frequently a strong determining factor for our overall biological health, even outweighing traditional biologic indicators such as diabetes and hypertension. Another application that is less well understood, but I think is starting to gain a greater appreciation, is the impact the spiritual has on the other three dimensions. Many studies of the spiritual dimension and religious practices show that there are positive psychological effects manifested through decreased stress, anxiety, and depression scores. Additionally, the spiritual dimension seems to positively affect our social dimension by improving our capacities for selfless love and service to others. Now, with high-resolution MRI and other functional imaging tools, we can now see that the spiritual practices such as prayer or meditation actually cause positive changes in both the anatomy and function of the brain. There was a study published in 2019 in the journal Scientific Reports entitled Alterations in Brain Structure and Amplitude of Low Frequency After Eight Weeks of Mindfulness Meditation Training in Meditation-Naive Subjects, where they studied people who did not practice meditation. All patients received a high-resolution MRI of the brain both before the study and then eight weeks after instructed to meditate 20 minutes per day. The investigators found that meditation actually made parts of their brain larger than they were before, in addition to altering various brain waves. So, the spiritual dimension of practices can actually affect your biology for the better. The notion of being in relationship also needs some explaining. Although Dr. Solmacy was helpful in indicating a blood sugar level is meaningless unless we put that in relationship to an actual person, this still appears to be somewhat incomplete when we speak of the entire range of relationships that we maintain in our lives and which ones may arguably be more or less important. Some things just affect me while I have little to no effect on them. A sunrise or sunset might be examples. I can behold their beauty, but I don't directly affect them. Now, my blood sugar is of a different relationship in that it can both affect me if it is too high or low, but then I can affect it by eating, usually in a pretty predictable manner. However, an even greater relationship is one that someone or something reacts to my actions more spontaneously. For instance, if I come home and see my dog Peaches, she wags her tail rather spontaneously, although somewhat, but not 100% reliably. I don't actually have to wag Peaches's tail. It's just something that she does by herself, and therefore that relationship is a deeper relationship than the one I may have with my blood sugar or with a sunrise. However, even a potentially greater relationship would be with other human beings, because I can then get a fuller and wider range of spontaneous reaction to me rather than just merely wagging a tail. I can also gain insight and appreciation of them and their experience deeper than what I can discern with my dog. This is played out very commonly in everyday lives. My adult sons, for instance, like to play computer games, and so they always find that playing against the bots or the robots is always less satisfying than actually playing against another human being. 
This concept was further explored in the popular movie series The Matrix, where there was tension between an idealized imaginary world or a real but less than ideal world. That tension was exemplified by the offer to take the red or the blue pill. The protagonist picks the red pill to stay in the real world, even if it is less than ideal, versus the imaginary world. This relational discussion not only has implications within the biologic and social dimensions, but also the spiritual dimension. We have shown that we can have a relationship to abstract things, such as a beautiful sunrise or sunset, right? So, in the same way, we can have a relationship to the virtues of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, a strong claim can then be made that a personal relationship is superior to an abstract one. Therefore, in the spiritual dimension, a personal relationship with the good, the true, and the beautiful would be better than an abstract one. A transcendent God, who by definition encompasses the good, the true, and the beautiful, would then be the ultimate relationship. And so it is. Another interesting theological insight regards Jesus and the good, the true, and the beautiful. Jesus perfectly embodied all the virtues, while not only speaking true things, but according to the Gospel of John, was truth itself. And finally, he was the most beautiful person and the most beautiful story of all time. Now, having said all that about the good, the true, and the beautiful, there are a few other things we need to clear up before further podcasts. I will undoubtedly be making truth claims about each dimension. We need to distinguish between the roots of flourishing and their general principles versus specific facts that substantiate the general principles. For example, we continually explore truth claims about what the best way to take care of the body is and the basis and treatment of disease, but many of these specific truth claims are constantly evolving. This is basically the scientific method that continually puts forth hypotheses and then goes about trying to prove or disprove them. Each specific fact claim is therefore contingent until it is modified or disproven. Let's use an application in my own field of medicine. The specific fact that the bacteria Helicobacter pylori is a dominant cause of stomach and duodenal ulcer disease was not known when I started medical training in the 1980s, but was still being hypothesized and subsequently investigated and proven to be the cause. Subsequently, the problems associated with stomach and duodenal ulcers have gone down quite dramatically. However, the enduring broad principle that body systems should be in balance and harmony, and that the presence of a harmful organism can put the body out of balance and prevent it from harmoniously working together, is a splendid example of a specific fact that actually supports the more enduring broad principle. All the while, we know that future specific facts may change our understanding of other specific facts, but generally not the overarching principles. Well, thanks for listening to this first episode. I've shown the definitions of our multidimensional humanity and some broad principles underlying it. This is so important that we get this right because now we can build on this understanding towards a fuller notion of what human flourishing is all about. This will enable us to embrace more fully our four dimensions leading to flourishing. Remember that the biologic, psychologic, social, and spiritual are all interrelated. So over the next few days, be mindful about these four different dimensions and how they all can and should play a role in all of our activities. 
The next podcast will explore more about how these dimensions should work best when we address the root of balance. Check out our show notes at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com for references and additional resources. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press toward the goal of completing our humanity.